0: Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, everyone. I am so excited to have you back today for our compatibility series. Now, why are we doing this series? Well, I wanted to talk about and address some of the main reasons why we might not consider dating someone. We've covered so much ground so far, y'all. We've talked about age gaps, height differences, weight differences, Chronic illness in dating, ethnic differences, and now today we are talking about drumroll, please, political differences in dating. Wowza. Yep, y'all, we are going there. Sometimes I can't even believe we are going to some of these places, but I'm so glad that we are because it is so needed. Now, before we do, I want to share something with you. We have a brand new site over on heartofdating.com, so go and check it out. I think it's personally so beautiful, and it's so much more dynamic, and we also have so many more resources for you. Speaking of resources, I have put together some incredible free resources that I know will help you in your dating life. One thing people always ask me all the time is, what are my ultimate favorite dating books? So I decided to create a guide with all my top dating book recommendations. It's a completely free guide, you guys. So to get this free download, you can go to bit.ly forward slash dating library. That's b i forward slash dating library. I know you're wondering, what are my favorite dating books? Well, all of it is in this free download, so go snag it. All right, today we are talking about political differences in dating. This is a hot topic and it definitely needs to be discussed. I'm thrilled to have my amazing friend Ashley Abercrombie on for this conversation. Ashley's actually been on the show before, but I wanted to bring her back for three main reasons. A, because I just love her so much. B, she just launched a brand new book that is super relevant to this topic. It's called Love is the Resistance, and I could not recommend it more. C, She is a pro at navigating hard conversations and situations and does so with so much grace and love. I admire her so much in this area. Ashley Abercrombie is the author of Rise of the Truth Teller and Love is the Resistance. Learn to disagree, resolve the conflicts you've been avoiding, and create real change. She is the co-host of the Why Though podcast with Tiffany Bloom, and her work is featured in OprahMag.com scary mommy relevant and darling magazines life today 100 huntley street the purpose show and more ashley lives in los angeles with her partner and three children now y'all i won't lie political differences have been a bit of a struggle for me in recent years it is really easy to get so emotionally charged and fired up about politics these days And at the same time, it's been the best challenge for me to try to seek to understand and get curious versus making assumptions or writing somebody off. Now, if political differences are a deal breaker for you currently, I really hope that you listen to this episode knowing that, first of all, I get you. I know that it's tough. But also, simultaneously, I really hope and pray that you listen with the desire to learn and grow and potentially approach this a little bit differently. So, I love this conversation with Ashley today. It is so good. It is so real. Y'all, we just go there. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So, without further ado, my conversation with Ashley Abercrombie. Oh my goodness. We got Ashley Abercrombie back on the podcast today for a second time. Hey, girl. Hi, Kate. I'm so happy to be with you. Thanks for having me. I'm so (laughs) stoked to have you today just because I've loved our connection in the last few years. We've built a friendship outside of just, you know, podcasting or influencer life, a real life friendship. And you are truly one of the most amazing women I've ever met. I really, I don't say that lightly. Like you really are somebody that I admire. I look up to every time you release something, via a book or social media, even I'm like, wow, this is profound. This is challenging. And you're doing it with three kiddos, girl. It's amazing. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, okay, just add that to the mix. Hello. And of course, when, you know, today we're diving into a pretty difficult conversation, but immediately I was like, Ashley, we're going to ask Ashley, let's have Ashley on for this. Because you navigate these spaces of hard conversations and gray conversations or areas that can feel Divisive or feel triggering to some, you handle them with, so, you enter into them with so much grace and truth. And so I'm really excited to have you on today for this conversation about politics and political differences in dating. And, you know, one of the main reasons I also wanted to have you on was because you wrote a brand new book called Love is the Resistance. And it is such a beautiful, And challenging and timely book. It's just a gift. I think a gift that we all need right now. People in the church, we need this book. We need to be known as Christians that love people, Christians that don't judge people, Christians that aren't hypocrites. And unfortunately, right now, that's just not, we're not known for those things right now in the culture. And so, thank you for writing this book. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about about it because I want people to go buy it. So could you tell them a little bit about why you wrote it and what it's about? Yes,
1: I'd love to. (laughs) Thank you, Kate, for your kind words. I have loved building a friendship with you. And I think the way you love people is so compelling. And I have really enjoyed, you know, being a part of your life. So thank you. Thank you for being a friend. (laughs) I just love you. (laughs) So I think, you know, you already kind of described part of the reasons why I wrote Love is the Resistance. You know, two, two things come to mind. You know, I have 18 years of recovery under my belt, which means, I've done a ton of work on, you know, boundaries and being a safe person and having deep, abiding friendships in my real life. You know, people who will show up at three o'clock in the morning and people who give me the privilege of doing the same for them. So I feel like I know what it's like to actually have hard conversations in my real life and to have differences with others and still stay in their life or to end a relationship when it's necessary or to redraw boundary lines. Like these are things that I habitually practice. And to your point about the church, I just felt so strong. Strongly in the last couple of years. Maybe it's living in Manhattan for four years. Maybe it's, you know, calling Los Angeles home and being in places that really have less of a church culture than other places in America and being able to really see up close what people think of us. And as I saw the public witness of the church and I saw how it deeply impacted people who don't believe in God or who maybe have different convictions about God than people in the church, I began to see this massive gap between what I experienced with Christians in my real life and what I saw online and what I saw in the news and the scandals and all the things. And I thought, gosh, our public witness The gap between that and the Christians that I know who would give you the shirt off their back, who would love you, who would sacrifice for, for the things that are worth sacrificing for, who speak up about injustice in a way that is compelling and inviting and, and gets things done. You know, like the Christians I know are wonderful people. And so for me, my hope with this book is a better witness for the church, a, a more faithful witness for the church and freedom for individuals who are struggling with things like conflict, who are struggling with boundaries, who are struggling, you know, Fighting over politics, fighting over the, the latest news thing, fighting over the, you know, scandal. Should we mask? Should we, you know, wear va- should we get the vaccine? Should we do this? And, you know, just watching Christians fight about everything under the sun and saying, you know what? There is a better way. And I want to help people discover the better way for their life. And that's what I hope to do
0: through this book. Mm, It's so good. I mean, it's honestly the tool I need in many relationships in my life because I I think we've seen over the last few years how much politics, COVID, all the movements as of late have come to the forefront. They're very, you know, you can't hide from any of them and um, right. and there's always there's two sides and in America for some reason it's especially divided I think outside of countries that I know lots of people my family is originally from Canada it is not this divided in Canada let me tell you that right. my relatives in Canada look at us and they're like wow <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> like okay they're what watching with on? their popcorn <laughs> they're like what's gonna happen <laughs> next like I mean it's, <laughs> it's sad but like really when I talk to my relatives in Canada I'm like I know y'all they're like How's it going down there? Like it's kind of it's funny, but they're like concerned, you know. And then I have friends in other countries, or in England, and Europe, and other places. My one of my best friends now lives in the Philippines, and it's just it's just not the same, okay. And right. so. And so I, I'm i here in America and I'm seeing just the the dividedness and we can't run from it. It's it, it's in our faces and it's causing us to have harder conversations with people around us. And that's happened for me personally in my family life and my friendships with other leaders. I mean, it's all across the board and I know I'm not the one in the silo here. It's everybody is having to do yes. this. And so something like your book is a tool we desperately need to become the Christian that are known for our love, that are known for our grace, our compassion, our lack of judgment. You know what I mean? Like we need to come back to being known as that. And earlier this year, I did a series on the LGBTQ plus community and the church and just really with that lens, like how do we approach that community with those elements you know whether you agree with what they're doing or not like the way they're living or not like that's not I didn't even make that the point I made the point like it's isn't it sad that an LGBTQ plus person couldn't walk into a church and feel loved by us like what a tragedy what a tragedy or a trans person couldn't walk into a church and feel safe and feel loved like that is the opposite of the character of Jesus and man I'm just getting sweating thinking about it right now but, um, it, it, you know, transitioning into this conversation today where, you know, we're talking about political differences and dating <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's so interesting because with this conversation, politics seems to be wrapped up in all of it almost, you know, like all the division, COVID, different movements, vaccines, you know, just whatever the election, obviously politics seem to be like trapped into, like weaved into all of it. And so I brought this up on social media. We're having a compatibility series and a lot of people were asking like, okay, what about dating somebody of a different political affiliation? And I was like, Do I want to go there? I don't know. (laughs) Do I want to do it or not? You know, but I decided to do it because I, I know we need to talk about it. And so, one thing I just want to start our conversation with today I asked a lot of people a lot of polls questions. And I asked the first thing I asked is, is dating someone with a different political affiliation a deal breaker? And on the poll, 57% of people said yes, and 43% of people said no. So resounding yes, that the political affiliation is a deal breaker. And then I asked a follow-up question. I said, okay, is has it become more of a deal breaker now than it was for you potentially in the past? Because just like I said, I think amid the recent season and recent years, it politics and different political backgrounds have become actually more of a non-negotiable for people. Um, so yeah. the way the audience answered that, they 68% of them said, yes, it has become more of a deal breaker in recent years. And then only 32% said, no, that's what I believed before. So I just want to start that conversation. You know, why do you think that is actually, um, why is it that political affiliation has become even more of a deal breaker now in dating?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a couple of different reasons for this. And I want to start with a little caveat. So I did not grow up evangelical. So I was the only person in my family who went to church with my great, great aunt fairy on Sundays and everybody else, you know, ate breakfast and chilled, or my mom was working like no one else was going to church. And so I didn't have this gross political um, enmeshment or divide in my home of origin, even though my parents were from different political parties. And so I think that it's important to say that not everyone has this experience. Not everyone has this experience of, if you vote this way, I cannot be in your life. Or if you decide this stance on an issue, that means that I can no longer be connected to you. Or I'm going to stay in relationship with you, but the, the sum total of our relationship is me convincing you to be like me. Mm. And so I think that I didn't grow up like that. So my parents disagreed about politics. They disagreed about policies on a local state and federal level. And it was normal for us to talk about politics without that being, you know, without it costing us our relationship. So I think that's important for me to say. And so it was a shock to my system even in the last, you know, I'd say five or six years, especially to learn that many evangelicals have decided that if you don't vote a certain way or act a certain way or live a certain way, then I cannot be in relationship with you. And so to me, that's not love. And they tend to do it to other Christians, not to people, you know, outside of the faith. So at least there's that. But I also think, you know, the Bible talks very specifically about giving hospitality, especially to other believers. And so that doesn't mean believers who look like you, think like you, vote like you, and live like you. Giving hospitality to other believers means no matter their political affiliations, no matter how they live, no matter their cultural upbringing, no matter their shaping, that you you know strive to show hospitality strive to show welcome strive to show love and so i think we we have made this ameshment of politics and faith and that's why it's become more of a deal breaker because now when you say i i vote republican i vote democrat i vote independent or i believe this about these candidates or i stand on this issue this way what that means to people is something deeper mm. so when for some people when you say i vote republican they they automatically have a list of things in their brain Thank you. You know, well, you must be racist. You must be this. You must be that. You must be this. You must be that. And same thing on the Democratic side. You're thinking, well, that just means that you're probably a low key anarchist, or you, you know, you're the liberal left social justice warrior. And so people have in their mind when you say these certain things, what that must mean about you. And so I think that that's why it has become more of a deal breaker now. So there's a lot of assumptions that get get made, and in some cases, that that can be a good thing in dating, Mm, (laughs) you know, because it opens up questions. You can immediately go, well, huh. If you are this, does that also mean this or that? But I don't think that we're very good in dating at having those brave conversations. I think that we'd rather just assume the worst about people and keep it moving instead of going, wow, how did you arrive at that conclusion? How did you become Republican or Democrat? How did you arrive at this perspective on this particular social issue? We don't leave room for context. We don't leave room for shaping of a human and their life experiences and the home of origin they grew up in and the way that they think about the world. We leave no room for that. We just go, well, it's this and that means that. And honestly, I understand the temptation to do that in dating yeah. because it feels so much easier to control the narrative and to control the decisions and to control you know, how the relationship is going to end up instead of having thoughtful conversations all along the way and then making a decision about your boundaries or a decision to walk away or a decision to go deeper. And most of us don't want to do that because it's risky you know, in dating, it's risky to have hard conversations. It's risky to keep your heart open. So I think that's some of the reasons why it's become more of a deal breaker.
0: Yeah. You're so right too, with just the labels and assumptions we have now with people on different sides of the spectrum. We're like, oh, you voted this, this equals that. You voted th- yes. this way, that equals this, you know? And it's like, man, that's so sad, you know, not to keep going back to the LGBTQ topic, but we also have a lot of assumptions about that community. We, we now have created... Yeah all, the, we put labels on people and then we put them in buckets and give everybody in that bucket a very specific label. Like, we assume that L- every LGBTQ plus person is a Democrat <laughs> and that is not right. true. Like It's actually Correct. kind of funny because I've actually met a lot of LGBTQ plus individuals that are actually Republican and I'm like, "Yes, you guys, I just think it's not, it's never good to just slap a label on anybody. I don't want a label slapped on me, you know and to your point, just a, to back up a second, I, my background also is is not the same, but it's interesting because my parents originally are Canadian. My mom is actually a dual citizen. So my dad is actually living in America for the past, I don't know, 30 years now, and he is still not an American citizen, which is really hilarious Mm. to me, but he is not an American citizen. So growing up, politics was not really at all a big thing for us. You know, it was not a huge thing. My mom voted because she was American. She was technically born in America, but it wasn't very much like a thing in our family. We didn't really discuss it all that Like to the point of like, it wasn't divide, divisive at all. You know, we were like, Oh, okay. Interesting. You know?
1: Yes.
0: And so only as I've grown older and moved to different cities and started seeing more and more and more, did I realize, Oh my gosh, there's like, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> there's a lot because mm-hmm. in Canada, again, shout out to the Canadians listening. Cause we do have people all over the world listening. It's just, we love you. yeah, we love you. <laughs> um, it's just not as divided. I even talked to a friend Last night I was met up with a friend for happy hour and we were talking, she's originally from England, and I was like, Is it as divided in England politically as it is in America? And she was like, It's not. It's not as divided, you know, and and church isn't church and state is more separated in England. So political parties are not as tied to, you know. Yes. religious affiliations, for example, which I find is such an interesting thing in America in itself. So now, though, it's just more exasperated, in my opinion, um, than ever before. Um, and I'm sure there's t- times in history where it's been very divided. But I just think we're at a pinnacle right now with all the things in America that have been going on. And, and so for the people that are listening that are like, yeah, that political, someone who is not a Republican, I'm just using it as an example, that's a deal breaker for me. I could not date a Democrat or vice versa. Let's talk to that person because are there things, do you think there are things actually that should be a deal breaker when it comes to political affiliation? And you kind of touched on it, like, okay, they believe X thing um, or they voted for X thing, right? I don't know. What's underneath that? Like, let's find out more. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that maybe would be a deal breaker?
1: Yes. So some things that would be a deal breaker. I think, first of all, if you center your entire life on your politics, for me, that's a deal breaker. It's like, if I can't go to dinner once without you complaining about the state of the world and regurgitating pundits and politicians and internet preachers, like I don't want to date you, you know, because that is too much. And if you center your whole life on everybody agreeing with you and creating an echo chamber in your life, and you can't have a difficult conversation without it just being divisive and awful. I would never date that type of person. So for me, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And the second is for sure things like sexism. If you low key think women should be subservient to everybody on the earth, I have a problem with that. You know, racism (laughs) is a big deal to me. You know, if your political beliefs break down to people of color being less than white people, I'm out, you know, and I think also abuses of power. So if you use your political beliefs, whether you're Republican, Democrat, libertarian, independent, I don't care. If you use them to somehow you know, abuse your power and somehow make people, again, subservient to you, if you have a way of seeing the world that's very, these people are superior and these people are inferior to me, all of that is a deal breaker. And my husband and I, when we teach premarital, which we've been doing for years, we cover all the reasons that that couples fight. You know, we talk about everything from finances, you know, like even just something as simple as money. If if one person in the relationship grew up with absolutely no worries around money and another, person, maybe they're in a a very well-off economic class and the other person grew up, you know, having to worry about meals or having to worry about whether they're going to have the things they needed for school. Like this creates a dynamic in the marriage where one is concerned about, or in dating, one is concerned about never having enough. And the other always thinks there'll be enough. Mm -hmm. Can you see how that would bring conflict? And so the same thing with cultural upbringing, you know, maybe one family is very good at dealing with conflict and they're, they've got stuff open on the table. They have hard conversations. And the other person entering into this dating relationship or, or potential marriage relationship is, is from a family that swept issues under the rug and never talked about politics, never talked about sex, never talked about anything related to money. Well, these two are going to have a big conflict. So I think when it comes to political affiliation, like, and what else should be a deal breaker, I think someone who's unwilling to change mm. and unwilling to listen and unwilling to serve and unwilling to grow and unwilling to see that another person's life and perspective and way of being in the world could have been shaped differently than theirs, these people are not the folks you want to be dating. So
0: I think these are are some things that come to mind for me. This is so good. I think that is such, these are epic deal breakers. I mean, all of those would be deal breakers for me. The first thing you said, like somebody who cannot not talk about politics all the time. I just cannot be around somebody who's only always bringing up politics and the media and the news. And I'm just like that. Honestly, I'm a very, I'm an empath. So I pick up energy. I pick up, I can't, I can't stick my face in the media all the time because I Mm -hmm. literally pick up the darkness from it. And then I feel a heaviness. Like I'm like, no, 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 I have to control. And I have to have my own boundaries with how much I talk about these things and, or expose myself to them just as much as, yes, I will have some political conversations, but do I want to have that in every single conversation I have with a guy that I'm dating? No. Even if he worked in the political area, like, no, there would be a boundary there for me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And all those things, sexism, racism, abuse of power, somebody who's not willing to grow. I think what's interesting here though, to just call out for a second with the not interested in growing, as I do think that some people like are open to dating if they can convince someone to be on their side. And so I think we have to go into dating to also not have that be the goal, just like with anything in life. Like you can't go in with the goal of I'm going to change them to be exactly who I want them to be. And then I'll be with them, you know, or then I'll marry them or whatever. Um, and that turns into a codependent relationship where you're dependent on if that person changes for you (laughs) and then, you know, you're constantly resenting them, constantly upset with them. I've, been there, (laughs) but we can't do that. So if somebody is showing up in a relationship and they're a different political affiliation, you find that out on a date, you know, first of all, Approach it with curiosity, but check in with yourself if the only reason you're staying with them is to convince them to be on your side, you know, because I think getting curious is so important and seeing that both people are willing to grow and learn and change and just hear the other person out. But the goal shouldn't be, I'm here to convince you that I am right and to change affiliations or whatever, you know?
1: Girl, (laughs) say it. Because also this this bleeds into every other area. So they're going to be trying to convince you that your way of dealing conflict is wrong, That your way of, you know, leaving clothes on the bathroom floor is wrong. Your way of doing laundry is wrong. Like, if this is a type of person, you know, when you get into marriage, you cannot. Major on these minors, you know, and some of these are major. I think political perspective and the way your way of living in the world is obviously a major, but also like that bleeds into other areas. If you are constantly trying to change another person, you will be perpetually disappointed. And so every person has to enter into dating. And if it goes that way, marriage in a way of going, hey, how can I be sober minded? about this person and how can I be very well connected to my own brokenness and very well connected to the things that I'm not doing great in a way that makes me stop judging the other person. You know, a great relationship, you have to suspend judgment and deal in reality. If you don't deal in reality, you will never be fulfilled in relationship. And so I love that you brought this up.
0: When you feel confident. You feel like you can do it all. And who says you can't? Whether you're running, biking, doing yoga, swimming, or sitting on your couch, which yes, I've been doing a lot of since the pandemic, Girlfriend Collective has clothes that you can feel your best in no matter what you're doing. Girlfriend Collective is sustainable and it's ethically made activewear for everyone. They make super cute and comfortable leggings, shorts, tanks, tees, swimsuits, and more. And y'all, their sizing is inclusive, ranging from extra, extra small to 6XL. Whether you're working out, running errands, or doing nothing at all, Girlfriend Collective has functional fabrics, colors, and styles for any activity. And I love that they are an eco brand. They use recycled materials to make their clothing, and their shipping is even 100% recyclable. Girlfriend Collective also has a garment take-back program called ReGirlfriend, so once you're done loving your pieces, a long time from now, of course, you can send them back to be upcycled into new girlfriend gear. And for listeners of Heart of Dating, Girlfriend Collective is offering first-time customers $25 off purchases of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com H-O-D. That's $25 off, y'all, a purchase of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash HOD. That's girlfriend.com slash HOD. I hope you go check it out because I have been loving all of their stuff lately. I love it because this is tying also into so much of what you wrote in your book. Actually, you wrote this in your introduction. You said, the undertone of so much of our arguing is the fight to be right rather than to connect to a differing viewpoint and see if there is anything to learn. And obviously right now, I think we just see it so much. Like people are thriving off of just, you know, making things very dramatic (laughs) Um, and Mm -hmm. trying to be right about everything and kind of attacking people, you know, and that's kind of what you see in the media too. Unfortunately is a lot of attacking of different viewpoints and, What especially is happening right now in light of all the recent events is that everything political seems like it gets tied into who that person is and their moral values or their quote unquote worldview. And so I did ask the people on Instagram about this and I said – Does Do you believe that someone's political affiliation reveals their morals and or worldview? And 60% of people said that it does. Um, So that's the majority, you know. And so I think this is really interesting because I think now we're tying politics into like – the, their values, morals, worldview, right? And so I want to quote something else that you bring up in your book, because I think that we also have, in terms of worldview, we have this, quote unquote, Christian worldview. <laughs> and I oh. want to just address something you say on page 38 in your book. You say, does our Christian worldview find us thinking like Christ, serving people, loving our enemies, journeying with others in a personal, powerful way? Or are we found in an echo chamber shouting at or avoiding everyone who does not agree with us? (laughs) I read this and I was like... Oh my goodness. Yeah, let's check in. And like we already addressed this earlier, but you say this too on page 36 of your book that Christians are now more known for what we are against than what we are for. And very last thing I'll state here, I did share it in our LGBTQ series, this Barna study that was done in recent years that asked non-believers about the top characteristics of Christians. And the three top characteristics of Christians that they identified were one, anti-gay. Two, judgmental. And three, hypocritical. How sad. How, how, how sad. So when we tie this into dating as a Christian, we even outside of just like looking to non-believers, like in the world of Christianity, we judge each other so much. Yes. Um and we are we're very judgmental, we're very unkind to one another and this happens in yes. dating. So we will write people off and in fact, you know, that's why a lot of pastors and people are afraid to talk about politics, afraid to talk about LGBTQ because of they will immediately be unfortunately canceled because just because they brought up a topic, whether or not it was bad Mm -hmm. content or bad information, you know, like it was Mm -hmm. like, just because you said the word, I'm done with you, right? We saw that a lot with the Black Lives Matter movement. Just because you said Black Lives Matter, now because of X, Y, Z things, I'm like, I won't go into it. You are, I don't want to follow you anymore. And I'm like, oh my goodness, wait, what? (laughs) You know, so my question is, Do you believe that someone's political views does show their worldview or what kind of things does this inform? What should we be looking for and be careful of?
1: Okay. So I want to talk about two things here. The first one, because I think this is really the root of everything you just shared. And the root of all of this is pride. Yeah. And none of us really like to talk about in our lives, in our personal lives or in the church, how much pride has a stronghold on us. And I went to recovery initially 18 years ago for all the addictions that I had. I went back at the beginning of my marriage because I would show up at meetings and I would say, hi, my name is Ashley. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with pride, control and anger. And I just had to bottom line the issues that I was dealing with in my marriage, the issues that I was dealing with in my work life and other places. I just had to bottom line them. I was angry. I was prideful and I wanted control. Mm. And as I began to start working on that, we've been married 10 years now, I began to see how pride had deeply infected so many areas of my life and so much of my perspective. And I think pride keeps us closed minded, or it keeps us completely open. And I think that there has to be this way in the middle where we go, you know what, I'm wrong sometimes. And you know what? I'm also right sometimes. And so how do we find that balance of humility and walking with others and not trying to change everybody and not trying to spend our precious energy telling everybody who's wrong and who's right Mm. and who does justice the best way and who does it the right way. You know, I mean, then we start to talk about, like in the Bible where it talks about the Good Samaritan, right? Like the two religious leaders passed. And even if you don't, if you take a minute, suspend your judgment and assume that maybe they were just busy, they didn't see him, they had other stuff to do. But even in that, it's like, are we so prideful? Mm. Are we so doubling down on our way that people are dying in ditches without us even paying attention, without us even noticing? Without us understanding the impact of our words and our actions, even if the intention might have been, I don't know, we think it's good. So I think pride is the thing that has to be really talked about more often. And pride is also the thing that keeps you pointing your fingers everywhere else instead of dealing with your own issues, dealing with your own way of communicating with others that could be hurtful or harmful, dealing with the fact that you're scared to use your voice, dealing with the fact that pride is hindering you from flourishing in your life, in your work, and in your relationships. So I have to start with that. Wow. The second thing I would want to say is that policy breaks down to a person and having worked in you know the justice space now for 15 years specifically around anti human trafficking initiatives and have done some stuff around mass incarceration in the past and just worked in this field of community development for this long you know i want to tell you that policy breaks down to a person and so i think a smart and wise christian maybe i should say wise and not smart a wise christian can look and go what in this political landscape, what are in these policies that I think are best and should be legislated on everyone? Do they take into account people who don't look like me, people who are not in the same economic bracket as me? Do they take into account people who might be coming from different households? Perhaps they are being raised by a single parent, perhaps they are being, you know, coming up in the foster care system. Do the policies that I think are the best and that I'm so loud about, yeah. are they actually, when they break down to a person? to a person are they helpful are they good because you know whenever we have influence it's actually for the benefit of others you know i think about esther she had this powerful you know she had a, a very difficult time she's brought into a harem i mean you know there's so yeah. many things about this this story that are very mm-hmm. difficult to stomach but if you just focus on her level of influence and her you know capacity to say gosh i have to show up I want this meal made to have this difficult conversation because I want people to be saved. And she could have just let the policies go. She could have just decided, Mm -hmm. you know what, this is going to be difficult for my people, which is actually what she wanted to do in the beginning until her uncle Mordecai was like, hey, if you do that, if you choose to stay silent, God will raise up someone else because this is the thing that needs to be done. And the policies were good for some people. But the reality is they were not good for everyone. And Esther had to have a meal and bring that to the forefront because if she didn't, people would have died. And so I just think when we're thinking about what parts of life do political beliefs inform and does someone's political views show their Christian worldview? I think I think it's yes. And I think it should come with a little bit more nuance than just yes or no, but I think it's yes. And I think I would personally want to partner my life with someone who is not so do- dogmatically decisive about what's good for everyone. Because I think if we were not so prideful, we would realize that even the best of us cannot come up with a policy that's good for everyone. Mm. And so I just think it's time to stop being so prideful, time to stop doubling down on the rhetoric that we hear from from not even biblical sources, but pundits and politicians and internet preachers and pastors who are very, very enmeshed with political affiliations. I think if we were to pull back and really listen to the Lord and hear his voice, we would want to do the most good. Okay. Not just the most good for the people who look like us, think like us, act like us, vote like us, but people that God is concerned about,
0: which happens to be everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know what you're bringing up reminds me of years ago. I first saw Brian Stevenson speak, and now he's like oh, one of my, my favorite. favorite kinds of like he really is one of my favorite people. And people are like, "Who would you want at your dinner table if you had five people?" I'm like yeah. Brian Stevenson. <laughs> um, Same. Because I just <laughs> love him. I love his boldness to go somewhere that was really difficult. Back in the day, he went to be a lawyer in Alabama, and which was. Not at the time, still really is Dicey um, a great place for black men um, as an African-American man. And he was a lawyer who went to fight for the wrongly incarcerated. And his story is phenomenal. They did do a, a movie on his book, Just Mercy. It's a great movie. I I literally went into the movie, I'd read the book, went into the movie and Like, didn't realize how much I was going to cry. I knew I would cry, but I, like, cried the entire movie. But anyway, he said in this sermon he was giving, this talk he was giving years ago, he basically talked about being in proximity. Like, and it was the first time I really started getting – my eyes were opening to our justice system and to just the injustice happening on things that I didn't know of. I grew up in Connecticut. Heck girl, like I grew up in a whitewash area in Connecticut and I just was not aware of the things that were going on in our criminal justice system. And he was like, Hey, what would it look like for you to not just place judgment on people and just say, yes, this person should go to jail. They committed a crime, blah, blah, blah. But to get into proximity, to actually understand people's stories and what's actually going on. Because if you are sitting there in your own bubble and have no idea and have never talked to somebody who's potentially, who their whole family has been to jail or, you know, who is in a community where that is very common um, or somebody of a lower income neighborhood where these things are very common, you know, and there's just a lot to say on that. I won't go all into it. You obviously know so much about it, Ashley, but have you ever considered being in proximity to really understand what it's like, to really get to know these people's stories, to like... Or are you just in your bubble making assumptions, making judgments, voting on things that you really have no idea about? And it it, like challenged me so much. Um, It started my passion for our criminal justice system and getting involved with organizations. It should be like, I was like, yeah, I've never been in a prison. I don't understand what it's like. I don't know anybody who's gone to prison. My gosh. Like, okay, what would it look like to get outside my bubble? You know? like. Yes. And I had to look at my church, which I love, but I started going temporarily to another church for a while because I was like, everybody in my church looks like me. Everybody talks like me, right. thinks like me. We're all the same, okay? Because right. it's in Santa Monica and I love my church, but I was like, I need to experience some other kinds of people over here. like. And so you're bringing up the point of like, It's just, how can we get in proximity and not just place judgment on things that we don't understand? So coming back to the political conversation, if you're sitting across from somebody who does have a different political background... What it would it look like to get to understand and seek to understand why that is? You know, whether you yes. want to believe in it or not. Like, why? Yes. What formed those beliefs? How did you get there? What's your life experience? What's your story? How are these things personal for you, or maybe not personal for you? <laughs> or you know, like I think it's just so important. And sometimes you will find that people just have their opinions because they have their opinions. You know, totally. Uh, That's correct. You know, and and that definitely shows you something. But I do mm-hmm. believe, and I want to believe that there is an opportunity for everybody to be growth minded if they wanted to be. <laughs> you know, so, right. uh, yes. so even if there are a person that, because I have, I now have so much compassion for the person who grew up in let's say a very whitewashed society or whatever, a very cultural bubble and they believe the things that they believe because of that. I'm like, okay, now I can have compassion for that because I understand yes, I grew up nice. in Connecticut. I grew up in a very small bubble where there was very little diversity. I didn't understand any of these things until I started moving around, moving to cities, started getting involved with more things, getting more diverse friend groups. And now I'm like, wow, but I could see if I just stayed there for my whole life, how it would have been different, how me in my thirties now would look a lot different, (laughs) you know? And so I want to seek to understand somebody who maybe that's their story, you know? But- if you are that person that is in a bubble or has maybe been in a bubble, there's no shame to put on yourself right now, but it's just like, what could you do to not immediately judge somebody for having yes. a different background? And yes. is is there a possibility for you to ha- sit at a dinner table with somebody who ha- voted on a different issue than you and be open-minded? <laughs>
1: Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. And I think, like, Kate, that's part of why I've always loved the recovery community. Because Mm -hmm. the recovery community leads with story. Yes. And we don't lead with our best. You know, we we lead with our weaknesses. And that's not because we are filled with fear or because we think we're going to center our whole life on the things that are wrong with us. You know, that's just the other end of pride. You know, making it all about you and what's wrong with you. But it is this thing of going, this is my story. And this is where I came from. And this is why I believe what I believe. And this is how I had to unlearn the love that I learned that wasn't good for me. And this is how I had to relearn how to engage with God and engage with others and engage with myself Mm -hmm. in a way that opened me up for compassion, opened me up for curiosity, opened me up to the kind of love that I wanted to experience without other people having to be like me. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're saying is so important and powerful because story really matters. And the way that we're shaped in this world is so Vital to us understanding one another. And if we don't leave room for context, we'll never be able to engage in the deep, abiding, rich relationships that we desire. And not everybody wants that. Not everyone is working towards that end. And and I'm sure many of you listening, you've discovered that already in your dating process. You know, you've discovered the people who don't want to change, who don't want to grow, who don't want to, who are not ready yet to be vulnerable. But when we're looking for partnership, we have to discover a level of of having compassion for others who are different than we are. And I think that that is so powerful, what you just shared.
0: Yeah, girl, it's been a challenge to do and figure out how to do because what you're talking about, um, and I made a note of this, to talk about like having compassionate curiosity when we enter into dating. I think oftentimes in dating, no matter what, and why I'm so passionate about this specific series on compatibility is because um we enter into dating like with a checklist of like, do you fit this? Do you fit this? Do you fit this? Do you fit this? Instead of coming at it with the posture of curiosity, like you don't have to marry this person. Um, Nobody's saying that. Would it be bad if you went out with somebody who was a different political affiliation, you found that out early on in dating and you just continued to try to get to know them and just had a curiosity instead of writing them off because of one thing specifically, you know? And I'm not saying if they're a sexist or racist, if they abuse power, goodbye. That is, no, you gone, you know, (laughs) but just because they voted for this person or that person doesn't mean they are those things. (laughs) And we Uh, often want to slap labels on people once again. So what would it look like to just come into dating in the beginning stages of dating with curiosity. You know, what's interesting is now on dating apps, they are even allowing you to put your political affiliation now on certain dating apps. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is really interesting. Or you put vax or not vax and different things, right? And so it's like really interesting. interesting. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh, man, like, (laughs) okay, everybody. You know, and I understand in some ways why people are doing that, but there's just more filtration, you know? And I just say to people who are like, I don't have any luck with online dating or these things where online dating is the biggest way that people meet others today. Like over 35% of people meet online in COVID. It was over 80%. And so this is where people are meeting. And if you are like, I only, I have my filter to Republican and that's it. Or I have my filter to Vax or not Vax, whatever. I would just encourage you, like maybe you're limiting yourself. What would it look like to find a Christian who you're Republican, you open it up to Democrats and you... Consider them, you know, not just write them off because yeah. you think that they are x, y, z. I think that's just the point of this, you know, I mean, gosh,, yeah. like what would it look like to just see this person as a human to get to know them with curiosity? you know,
1: yes, I agree, and i I would say also, like you know the internet world has made us feel like we owe so many things to strangers, it's like I actually don't. Owe you. You have earned no trust in my life for me to tell you these things. And I I know I'm a little bit old school. Like I totally get that. And at the same time, I'm like, I do this with all my internet practices. Like, I don't owe you the deepest, richest part of my life. I don't owe you my medical history. I don't owe, you know, I owe you nothing. I don't know you. And so I think for us to sort of lead up front and 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 I get it, and I'm okay. That some people want to make that choice regardless, but I'm just asking the question: is the deeper thing that we want control? Yes. You know, that we want to be able to know what we're dealing with so that we can control what we're dealing with. And I think that that is an important question to ask. Like, am I doing this because I really would love for somebody who, you know, wants to be vaccinated and we share the same convictions, like, cool, that's one thing. But if it's like, I want to control who my partner is, what they believe, what they think, how they live, I want to know it all up front so I can control it. I think that that's a deeper issue to look at, you know, like, why do you need so much control in your dating life? Because love is risky and you can't control it. And you don't know what's going to happen. And I think that that's the scariest part of dating in general, but especially dating in 2021. That's that's real. Like we are terrified to get out there and we want to control because of fear. And so it's just important to ask those deeper questions. And
0: I've often found when people do find like the person that quote unquote checks all their boxes, you know, of preferences, like political preference, their height preference or this, that, and the other preference oftentimes that may not even be the best person for you, okay? And that's my experience. Like, I've experienced that so much, which is why I've thrown out my ideal of type and instead based it on character qualities. And I don't, I no longer base character qualities on political affiliation, you know? I, like, look at their lives and try to get curious about them. I've dated guys who are both, who voted both ways politically, you know? Um, And I've dated seriously some guys where we're on the opposite sides of the spectrum. And I have been challenged in those conversations and not always showing up my best self because I understand that this is difficult. Okay. So you have to just always challenge yourself. Okay. What does it look like to not be right? What does it look like to just be curious with this person, you know, and not judge them for the, their line of thinking here, but seek to understand. And if they're also doing that back, then that's something we can work with, you know? Yes. And, and the last thing I kind of want to say on this, Ashley, too, is that I, I don't know. I don't ever really lead with political affiliation in dating. And this was a big question we got. Like, a lot of people... I've never even said my political affiliation publicly on social media. And I don't, at this point, plan to. Because I don't think that's important. I think right now with where what I'm doing and, trying, and the people I'm trying to serve. Because I do believe that in doing that, people have a lot of judgments, unfortunately. Which is what I've yes, experienced. And I, I want you to know me for me and not just all those elements. Um, it's also become very triggering to some people. So I've had a lot of political conversations with people that are very easily triggered, you know, and they go easily on the defense and they're, and that's been really hard for me. And so because of that, I personally want to build trust with that person a little bit until we enter into all of those dialogues. (laughs) <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, Same. And so I don't bring up my political affiliation early on. I don't say it in the first date or the second date um at all. And something I recommend also for people listening is don't assume someone's affiliation. This has happened to me a lot. People assume because I'm a Christian, I'm this. People assume because I live in a city, I'm this. Like it's so interesting. I'm like, okay, I really don't like that you're just assuming that and because of that, you're sitting down with me at dinner and having these you're starting these conversations about political issues because you're assuming that I'm on the same side with you, you know, or, oh, I hate that. Nothing
1: bugs me more. (laughs) I hate it too. Also, it's just, it's so, again, back to pride. It's so prideful and the gall of someone to assume that you believe the same thing they do and begin engaging in a conversation that you then have to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not, I don't actually think that way. Is so like the gall, um, the assumption, you know, there's so much pride in that alone.
0: (laughs) I know. Well, and then I get it from my Texan family because cause I live in California. There's, I don't know, There's just so yeah, many things. Totally. Everybody, all We're going to fall place. into the sea. Like, the whole thing. I know. I'm like, <laughs> okay. All right, y'all. I know, right? Man. So gosh, girl, this has been so great. I am so grateful for you and I've just enjoyed I mean, I just love talking about this with you. I'm going to ask you our final question, and maybe it can be spun towards this conversation of mm-hmm. political differences, dating within this way. But what would be your final nugget of dating advice for the people on this subject?
1: I think my final nugget, like if I could gift anybody anything for a relationship or a future, you know, marriage, I would gift you humility, and I would tell you that that is the primary thing that makes a relationship thrive. Mm -hmm. When you have humility in communication, when you have humility in the way you want to love, when you have humility in the way you want to be loved, when you have humility with your partner or your person, or even your friends, like it extends so much further. Humility Mm -hmm. is the thing that makes a relationship flourish. And that's what I would gift you. And so that's my final nugget is to invite you to work on humility, invite you to have less assumptions, invite you to suspend judgment, invite you towards compassion, invite you to be open to another person's perspective and be open to love. I think humility is is key in that.
0: Mm, so good. Yes. And I think I'm like listening to you. Like I can always work on that. You know, it's like, Same. <laughs> yes, me too. Yes, me too. It's not a perfect <laughs> process, but if that's our posture, oh. you know, it's like, yes. can that be every day? Lord, give me humility for the things that I don't understand, <laughs> for the ways yes. I react and sometimes don't lead with compassion, <laughs> don't lead with curiosity. You know, give me the humility where I lead with judgment or whatever it is. Ashley, I want everyone to get your book and connect with you because I love all the things you're doing. So where do they do all the things?
1: Yes. Yeah, so well, you can buy the book wherever you buy your books. Um, it's available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all the places. And I spend most of my time on Instagram at Ash Abercrombie. And it would be such a pleasure to connect with you guys. And Kate, thank you for having me. Mm. And thank you for always braving the deep. And you do it in such a way that it doesn't isolate people. Um, and and you're you're inviting everyone to the table, which I think is, is so critical and very much like God. So mm. thanks for having this conversation.
0: Oh, I love you, girl. Thank you so much. <laughs> (laughs) Love you. I told y'all we were going there today with Ashley. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. It certainly was so challenging and uplifting and encouraging for me. And I really hope it does the same for you. The entire point of the series is a slogan that I've been saying for the last few weeks. Date the unexpected and God just may do the unexpected. Even if dating somebody with a different political background has been different for you in the past, Maybe give it another shot. Maybe approach it with seeking to understand and leading with curiosity instead of leading with judgment. This is a really good opportunity for us to bring Jesus in to all the ways that we are dating and all the reasons why we are considering someone or might be writing somebody off. Now, again, I want you to get that free download I mentioned at the beginning of today's episode. If you wanna know all my favorite dating books, you can go to bit.ly forward slash dating library and you can down my ultimate dating library list. All the books I would highly recommend for you to read if you wanna up your game in your dating life. Okay, guys, that's it for this week. I will see you on next week's episode on the Heart of Dating podcast.